This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To the cheese heads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. My name is Perry Goldstein, and I am not joined by your usual co-host, Maggie Loney, but I am joined by this familiar face, hopefully. It is Andy Herman. He is the podfather of the Pack-A-Day podcast. If you are not listening to the Pack-A-Day <laughs> podcast, I'm not sure what you're doing uh, or even how you found me. But uh, yes, it is Andy Herman. We are going to break down the Steelers game together. Everyone welcome Andy. Hi, Andy. How you doing? I am doing great. I have uh, big shoes to fill because obviously having to take the place of Maggie Loney is no easy task. So I'll do my absolute best. Uh, but no, always great to be on Pax What She Said. I think I don't know, three, four, five times now, somewhere in that range. And uh, it's always a pleasure. So thanks for having me. Yes, you might be our most common guest. And I think it's just because <laughs> you always say yes when we ask. I, don't know, uh, but I, we I wasn't aware that that was an option. <laughs> I mean, we don't have a gun to your head, but we That's do true. appreciate it. You are one of my favorite people to talk Packers with. So this is going to be a really fun one. Um, because the Packers did lose 23-19. Um, there were some wonky things that happened, I think, that led to that score. But the Packers offense like finally showed us, once again, some signs of life. And this time it was against an actual NFL defense. Um, so before we dive into maybe some specifics, I just want to get your like gut reaction and major takeaways. Yeah, so I think this is a season where you want to see progress. And I thought this was a game where at least on the offensive side of the ball, we saw some signs of progress. I think the first one was Jordan ball, Jordan loves deep ball accuracy, excuse me. And I think him just hitting some of those plays downfield, Musgrave, Jaden Reed, and seeing some of the, you know, just some of the wild throws that he was able to make. It felt like he was hitting his drop and ripping it a little bit more, which is what we've all kind of been waiting for and waiting to see. He did have the one that he overthrew Dobbs down the sideline. And even that you're like, sweet and overthrow. Like you're, yeah. you're like a little bit more happy to see it on that side of things. And it just felt, a, it, it felt a lot better from Jordan and just the offense connecting on some of those deep throws that have been so hard to come by and just so lacking within this offense. So I thought that was a sign of progress. The AJ Dillon 40 plus yard run. I, I didn't think this was a great effort by the run blocking overall throughout the course of the game that shows what they are capable of. And it showed a step in the right direction. We saw a little bit more against the Rams and being able to run the ball in that game. Like I said, it was a outstanding performance by the run offense, but that play in particular, everyone blocked up everything perfectly. That's a play that a few weeks ago, I don't think they could have executed and they executed it and it burst for 40 plus yards or whatever it was from, from Dylan on that play. I thought that was a positive. You go back a few weeks ago, Max Crosby, Aiden Hutchinson, guys that are completely just eating your lunch all day long, spitting it in your face and laughing at you. And you now had TJ Watt, not to mention Highsmith on the other side that are yeah. you're going to have to face. And I thought they did a much better job and had a much better game plan to contain and control those two as much as they possibly could. Highsmith and Watt both had uh, good games and they still got their moments 
but they didn't wreck the game like uh, Max Crosby did again just a few weeks ago. So you're looking for steps in the right direction. You're looking for positives. Jaden Reed, I, th I thought, showed up big in this game. Dontavian Wicks had a couple big moments. We talked about Musgrave. Those are steps. And Elton Jenkins, by the way, third consecutive, really, really good game out of Elton. And he's starting to look like Elton Jenkins again, which is a huge step for this offense. So you're looking for these incremental improvements. You're looking for signs of progress. I thought we got that. The other side of the ball and on special teams, maybe not so much, but offensively, progress is good. Yeah. To be honest with you, this season to me is all about the offense. Like I'm ready to blow it up on defense. And I've been that way since that the past offseason. I think this is kind of like the tale of two sides of the football for this team. And I care yeah. much more about like the way the offense is progressing. And I completely agree with you. Um, I think the offense, you want it after the Rams game for that not to be a fluke. You didn't want that game to be, well, the Rams were just bad and that's why the Packers looked the way they did. Like you wanted them to come into this game and like really look like they took incremental steps forward. And I, I said it in the beginning and this was against a legitimate defense. The Steelers have a legitimate like top contending defense. Now they've been missing guys all season and they've been banged up, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they're a very good defense with pieces like across the board and they're just very well coached and have been like for always. Um, and you mentioned, you know, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. I think Zach Tom looks legit. I think Zach Tom has shown us like he is our right tackle of the future. And once again, you're just, you're looking for things to like build off for the future. And we have our right tackle of the future. Um, I think the young guys are starting to make really nice progress and you kind of named them all and you want to see, you know, just like steps in that right direction. Jaden Reed making big plays, Dontavian Wicks making big plays. I think Romeo Dobbs has already shown that he can make big plays in big moments. Um, the only one who isn't, and this is my question for you, we can kind of dive in a little bit to the offense because they are showing improvement. You mentioned Love's game, and I want to go back to it in a second, but like, what do we do about nine? Like, what are we doing about Christian Watson? You you talked about it on the show. I did listen to Back a Day this morning, and so I kind of want you to expand on it a little bit because I agree with you. I think the answer is you got to start using Christian Watson in a number of different ways. Yeah. Because they're starting, they're just kind of throwing him these jump balls. And yes, he's 6'5 and he's really fast. But I think he's starting to show that he's just not, he's not MVS, right? You're not just going to, you know, start throwing in him 40, 45, 50 yard bombs. That's not the kind of player he is. So we need to start throwing him some different routes. Um, and that seems to be where you are at with him as well. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it's funny because. When, whenever Matt LaFleur is asked about Jordan Love, he'll say something to the effect of, well, everyone needs to play better around Jordan. Everyone needs to do a little bit of a better job. And I'm kind of in the same space with where Christian Watson's at right now. What I mean by that is I go back to a week ago and Christian Watson is flying by a defender and he's wide open for a touchdown and Jordan underthrows him. Were the weather conditions a factor? Maybe, probably. And we can put a bunch of other things that go into that. That's fine but he's wide open for a would-be touchdown and it's just a miss. And we've seen a few of those this year where Christian has a player beat and either the yeah. ball doesn't come his way or he it's underthrown or it just is not, you know, in the place where it needs to be. And I think if a couple of those plays are converted, all of a sudden Christian Watson's stat line starts looking a whole heck of a lot. We might be having a totally different conversation. So on certain plays, I think the ball just needs to be a little bit better for, for Christian in those situations. Um, I think as we, as you were just talking about, and as I talked about on pack a day, I think we need to get a lot more creative with Christian Watson. I don't think, it, you know, if the 50, 50 balls are becoming 10 90 and you're like completing them 10% of the time, well, that's no longer a great option. Um, yeah. They haven't been 50, 50. They haven't been close to 50, 50. That hasn't been working. That has not been a formula for success. In fact, you're ending up with a lot more interceptions than you are positive plays. And if that's the case, all right, then we need to be more creative with the way that we're getting into the ball. And what I mean by that is end arounds, jet sweeps, reverses, put them in the backfield. I don't care what you do, but you, I don't, I, I don't care if you put them at kick return. I mean, obviously you don't want to take Keyshawn Nixon out of the game. I'm not saying that, but like, you get my point. you got to find a way to get the ball in his hands and let him use his rare gifts to your advantage. And if you're not doing everything you can to get him some easy plays to get him going, because that's the other thing. I think he needs a little bit of confidence. And sometimes like in the NBA, you talk about all the time, you know, sometimes a guy just needs to see a free throw or a layup go through. And then all of a sudden 
the three pointers are just raining after that. You just need that first bucket. And I feel like a little bit with Christian, he just needs that, that catch that positive play, something that can kind of get him going in the right direction and hopefully gain a little bit of that confidence back. And then most importantly, there's a lot of burden here to on Christian to just play a better brand of football than what he's been playing. You know, mm-hmm. I think some of those 50, 50 balls, like where I said, they've been 10 90, they need to be 60, 40. Like he needs to go up and get some of those. And Perry, we've talked about it in the past, certainly on, on pack a day, but wide receiver is a artistic position in today's NFL. It is a very skilled position. There is nuance. There is timing. There is, there's a beauty to it. The best of the best, the Adams, the Jeffersons, the digs, the Tyree kills, all of them have it. They know how to get open operate. And even Matt LaFleur in his press conference is talking about, Hey, on the throw, that's an interception. Christian needs to run the fake route first before he gets to the second route. And so many guys just want to get to that second route because that's the fun one. That's the one where we're going to try to get open. But if you don't sell the initial one, they're not going to buy it. And you don't get to that second one, or you end up being defended really well, which is what we saw out of Patrick Peterson this week, a veteran who, if you're not doing everything with nuance and skill and artistry, you're, he's going to, again, he's going to be all over it. And it's just exactly what happened on that play. So I think it's all encompassing. I think when Christian does use his rare gifts and traits to get open and he's got five yards of separation, you need to see that ball placed on him so he can go get the ball and just make that beautiful, amazing play that he's capable of. He needs to be better. And then you've got to be more creative with the ways that you're getting him the ball. Yeah, I completely agree. I I think there's two things for me. I think you got to find ways to get Christian the ball in space. You know, the, the, uh, the jump ball, like there's something about him just as of right now. And that could change. He, is not finding ways to use his six frame optimal six, five frame most optimally at the moment. It's just not something that he is doing at his best. And I'm hopeful in the future. And I think maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's the DBs he's going up against. I'm not sure what it is, but right now that's just not what he's doing well, but what we've seen him do well, right. Is yards after the catch and being able to like accelerate after the catch. And I think that that's what the Packers need to start doing with him. You mentioned end arounds, jet sweeps, even that slant route um, against the Eagles last year that I think he took in for a touchdown or like big play. Like he, there are a lot of ways that you can use him in this offense and not even like new ways that Matt LaFleur is going to have to like create new plays for him. Like there are easy ways to get him involved in plays that already exist within this offense that you can get him the ball Um, they just haven't found a way to do it yet. Uh, and they just need to start because they spent a high, high capital on him. And we saw him be very successful last season for a long stretch of time with Aaron Rodgers. Um, he just has to create that chemistry with, with Jordan love as well. Like you said, love has to get him a better ball. There's just something not there. And I think too, if they do want to throw those balls, those 50, 50 to the end zone, they have another receiver, who is doing a better job of getting them. So if you want to throw those end zone balls, throw them to Romeo Dobbs. (laughs) Like you're throwing them the nine. And I understand why I completely understand the logic as to why, because Christian normally has a step on the DB. He's got the frame for it and you want to get your guy the ball, but the person who's making those catches is 87 right now. So it's also the choice in where in ball placement right now is my, also other question otherwise I think this game was like one of Jordan's best games so far of the season if not maybe his best in terms of big completions big chunk plays from the offense decision making etc um I loved watching him this is a really I think probably silly thing to say from a fan but I loved watching him throw it away it was just really nice to see him like there's nothing here I'm gonna throw it away it just felt like uh maybe a little bit more of like a vet game from him in terms of I'm seeing the field a little bit better. I'm seeing when my guys are sitting in the zone a little bit more, there was like a great Dontavian Wicks, like big chunk play where Wicks like found that hole and love hit him right there. He's starting to get a little bit better chemistry with Luke Musgrave. I just thought love was like really reading the field a little bit more, but I think you did your rewatch. So I'm curious if you felt the same way. Yeah, it was tied for my highest grade on the season for Jordan. I thought he had a really nice game. Obviously, would have been higher if they could have found a way to get the the ball in the end zone at the yeah. end, which is unfortunate. You know, which is the name of the game. Um, it, you know, it's such an interesting play to to Christian on the second, yeah, you know, on the the first interception. Excuse me. 
Um, I thought Matt did a great job of detailing, you know, and I think he did have craft on that check down, which he probably could have gone. I think there was a natural um, running lane too, if you wanted to kind of keep that play alive. And it's obviously Matt was upset that that's a play that ends in an interception. I think you want a lot of different things. We talked about Christian running the first route first before the second one. And Matt talked about that, but um, you, you take away the, in the last play is just like, that's you're, you're throwing that for it to get picked off 90% of the time. Like there's not much that's going to go right on that type of throw. And he just had to get rid of it in because you could tell he was feeling the pressure and he, the last thing he wanted was to take a sack and at least not put it up in the end zone and, and you know, just give it 0% chance. So I, I understood those. And there, again, there's not much there for, for Jordan to do differently on that last play, but you, you go back to some of the throws he did make the Dontavian Wicks one you detailed. I love the fact that, he maneuvered the pocket with ease and really with the grace and beauty that was very similar to Aaron Rodgers um, yeah. in his prime when he would navigate the pocket while keeping his eyes downfield and then saw Dontavian and then just put it on him while throwing kind of across his body, just a really high level play. The the Musgrave throws, corner route, seam route, um, obviously the the beautiful ball on the third and 16 to get behind the defense to, to Jaden Reed and hit the touchdown on that. There's some big time stuff from Jordan. You mentioned the throwaway. I thought the decision making on the whole was good. I I have no real egregious negative grade on Jordan for the interception on on the first one on either. To be honest, um, like we we talked about the second one, the first one. I can understand what he's seen. As Matt said in his presser, it would have needed to be a perfect ball. Um, but he was feeling himself on the day. He was feeling confident, yeah. and I I felt like there was maybe even if a improbable completion there, I felt like there was one to potentially be had and Peterson made a phenomenal play on it. I don't hate the decision. Even if I don't think it was the best decision, I don't hate it. So I, yeah, I thought this was a really positive game for Jordan. It showed a lot of the, the high end plays that we know he's capable of, but we saw him hit those with a little bit more regularity and consistency. The one thing I noted at the end of uh, the, the Monday episode for pack a day I do think they need to keep, have him keep the ball on some some keepers a little bit more, meaning on some of the read option plays. TJ Watt, Highsmith, those guys were crashing down on the running back every single play. This is not the first time that that's happened this season, and they are not honoring Jordan keeping the ball at all. And he's got the ability, as we've seen, to take some of those and get real positive yards out of it. And you can trust, like I, I think Jordan will get down or get out of bounds on the majority of those plays where you're not putting them in harm's way but there is serious yardage to be had there. And even if it's not, even if you get five yards and slide down or whatever, that's fine. You just need to keep those guys honest. So, cause the last thing you need is an unblocked TJ Watt or Alex Highsmith coming down and wiping out your running back at or behind the line of scrimmage. You've got to keep those guys honest. So that's the one, that's not a love thing. That's just a, a yeah. like they need to give him the ability to keep those a little bit more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and we saw them do that a ton. I mean, that was an offensive line issue, which I also want to ask you about. But I mean, it, it's interesting because I was thinking about the keeper situation and we've seen Love take off. And I appreciate when he does that. It's an It would be an interesting thing I would love to ask the coach because when you have a young guy, you're trying to get him into like a... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A rhythm, if you will, or a, a good um, a habit of yeah. throwing the ball, right? You you want to like keep your eyes up and not take off with your legs, but also at the same time, if you want to scheme up some things for Jordan because he can use his legs, then you're adding another dimension there where you're you're keeping the defense kind of on their toes a little bit. And I think they should do that because Jordan can run. And I think um, it's even just showing it early. So, you know, like you're just putting the seed of doubt in the defense's mind of like, oh yeah, he could keep it on the keeper at any given time. And then I think that's going to make it so that the defenders can't just crash down as often as they were in this game. So just little small things. And again, that's yeah. not a Jordan thing, but I think some of that stuff can help out long-term for sure. Yeah. Um, before we switch to defense, I do want to talk about the offensive line. Cause I think I'm in the camp of being really ready for a little bit of a shakeup. Um, not to say that I look, 
just like the run game has been stalling. And I think, you know, we're at a point where Aaron Jones is back. Aaron Jones is getting his touches and Aaron Jones is still struggling. And so for me, if Aaron Jones is still struggling, like that's an offensive line issue. And I think you're watching this game and I'm watching this game and I'm watching some guys whiffing on blocks and blocks that they need to be making. Like this is not like big 330 pound DLs up against our 330 pound offensive lineman. And the other guy is just winning. Like this is them getting beat against guys who they should be mauling. Um, So I'm having a little bit of a hard time understanding. Maybe like everyone's getting the benefit of the doubt. This is our starting five. We want to keep some level of consistency, but if you are being, you know, there was a screen at the end of the game that could have easily been an Aaron Jones touchdown that John Runyon Jr. completely misses a block on. And like, that is just a completely unacceptable play in my mind. And I think a lot of people have been kind of harping on this as just like the more egregious example, but there were a few of those, right? And Myers has been a culprit of it all season too. And just like the interior in general. So where are you at in terms of the offensive line? And are you ready to maybe see some changes? Or if there are changes, does that cause issues in terms of like continuity? Yeah, I, I think you're still at the point of where you need to try some things because it's just simply not good enough consistently enough. Um, the issue is I think you have two good offensive linemen, Zach Tom and Elton Jenkins. And that's that's like the bigger issue. I don't think there's any silver bullet here that's just going to be like a cure all you know you saw yash at left tackle nothing changed yash did not play great when he got in at left tackle it was very similar there's a reason why they keep going back to rashid's dude yash isn't playing better if at all um if it is it's very slightly it's there's not much of a difference there i don't like your your center option is moving zach tom and you don't want to move that guy especially because in order if if you were to do that let's like just play it out you put Zach Tom at center. Now you've got to get Yash at right tackle and Rashid's at left tackle. You still have two players that you're not trusting on the offensive line. And now it's at both tackle spots. That's not ideal. Um, right guard. This that's the one that I think, and again, if you want to go with Yasha Rashid at left tackle, I'm more of just like, I don't care. I don't think it's going to be any different either way. Um, whatever, whatever anyone wants to do in that situation, I think you're you're getting basically the same level of play out of it either way. So I, I just don't care. But if you want to use Yash, awesome. Use Yash. If you want to use Rashid, awesome. Use Rashid. I think you're just going to get the same level of play. Um, like I said, left guard and, and right tackle, you don't want to move center. I don't think there's another good option. Right guard's the interesting one for a variety of reasons. Runyon's been my lowest graded player all year long. I didn't think this one was uh, quite, quite as egregious of a week. Um, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like a brutal game from him. Um, I thought he actually did some good stuff in pass pro. However, it hasn't been good all season long. I guess that lowest graded player on the team for me, and he's not under contract next year. He's an unrestricted free agent. You're probably not bringing him back. At least I, I would think that that's a real legit possi- you know, possibility moving forward. And mm. you've got a third round pick from last year who in preseason looked pretty darn good. And the very small amount of snaps he played a week ago looked pretty darn good. And if you want the consistency of like JRJ or like, like just know what you have or whatever, I understand it. Let's, let's do a drive here or there that Sean Ryan just gets a drive. You remember when Elton um, came up, they would have Lane Taylor start and then they give Elton a handful of drives here or there. And then they go back to lane. And I know you don't want to do that too much, but uh, right now I want to see if, if you're not willing to make the move to Sean, like completely, Let's just see a couple drives with Sean. Yeah. And here's what do you have to lose? I think that's, is that's the question. Thing, right? Yeah. And if it goes if it goes poorly, okay. We saw a couple drives that went really bad. Back to JRJ. No harm, no foul. It's not that it's not the end of the world. But if all of a sudden he plays really well, like he did in the couple drives that he was in the last time, all right. Well, maybe let, let's just maybe then you go to a quarter. Maybe you go to a half. Maybe you go to the full game at some point. But at least give him those opportunities. Before is a player that's going to be on your roster next year. He was a third round pick, top 100 pick. He has shown improvement. And I'm at the point where I'm like, why the heck not? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm i not saying that I think that the, this is the reason why they're stalling out in drives, but I do feel like they get to the point in the red zone and things are just not blocked. And I, they certainly, the run game is still such a problem. And I feel like they're leaving a lot of points on the table and they're, they're just turning things only into three and this game, not that I, I care so much 
on this season on wins and losses, but this game was highly winnable, highly winnable. And any one of those drives that ended in a field goal is a touchdown. This game's won, you know, and, and I think why not just shuffle some things around and see what you can do in those situations. In every um, uh, pregame show right before the game, I, I usually leave my like one of my most important ones for the very last bullet. My last bullet prior to the game was no points left behind. You cannot leave points on the field in this one. And they left all the points on the field. Obviously, yeah. the red zone efficiency was poor. You get the really bad call on the lateral play, which takes away potential points. You've got the missed extra point, literal point left on the field. Like you just had so much of that all day long. Arguably the a potential missed pick six by um by Devondre Campbell. There's another one where Ballantyne has a shot at a pick two. And if he gets that one, he might be able to take it down the sidelines. There was so much point production in this game that was left on the field in a four point game. And where if things just go slightly different and you have those same drives at the end and you're only down three instead of four, again, we know there's going to be some sort of butterfly effect for the way the rest of the game goes once one thing changes, but you've got the opportunity to just kick field goals there and take the easy points rather than having to chase points. Um, the offense was better from a, a yardage. And we saw the same thing, like very, very similar to what they did against the Rams where they got the yardage. They won easily, but they, what, 20 points against the Rams, 19 against the Steelers. The point production still lacking and they're leaving far too many points on the field. And just one last piece of that, you get those points. And again, that goes for the defense too, who had opportunities to get takeaways Uh, But the special teams who missed the extra point, like all those things, you get those points and now it makes everyone's job easier. There's not offense to have to go down and get these big plays. It's not, there's not as much pressure on the defense because you've got maybe a 10 point lead rather than having to like constantly be behind. It just makes everything easier, but they're leaving so many of those points out on the field. Yeah, they really are. And it's, it's frustrating to watch because the offense looks easier. It looks like it's clicking a little bit easier. They're moving the ball easier, like, and then they get to the red zone and things stall out. And it's, it, it must be frustrating also as a player to be like, okay, I'm getting us here. Why aren't we getting seven? Um, but many more games to work on red zone. Just so really quick to that too. If you remember 2020 was the year that they were just unbelievable in the red zone, right? Like they were just mm-hmm. through the roof. 2020 if we remember correctly, was um, Bakhtiari, at, like up until the NFC Championship game, Corey Lindsley at center, Elton Jenkins at left guard, and a really great offensive line overall, like a night and day difference. Yep. And that's why you're good in the red zone is because you've got really great players on the offensive line. Those go away. Shocker, things get a lot harder in the red zone. And Yeah, um, this is my uh, point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think when you shrink things down in the red zone, when everything gets shorter, like you have to be that much better at everything that you do. There's just so much less room for error when you get into the twenties. No big time. And yeah, Lindsley, obviously they've got Jenkins um, and then, you know, Runyon filled in here and there. Rick Wagner had a really nice year that year. Like they were just so much better on the offensive line and yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, it helped when you had Rogers and Devante, just like. Also helps. <laughs> <laughs> having a oh, total yeah. offense is always advantageous. So you mentioned a couple of defensive plays. I had sent you our, our agenda for this and I just wrote, I don't even know anymore what to do about this. De- this defense makes me want to rip my hair out of my head. Um, they are. This Steelers offense is bad. They are bad. Like this team, I have friends who are Steelers fans. They want to fire Matt Canada. They hate this offense. Kenny Pickett cannot throw the football. If you look at the next gen stats of Kenny Pickett's throws, like he doesn't throw past, like past the sticks. Like they cannot run the football. I'm a Najee Harris fantasy owner this year. I know that Najee Harris cannot run the football. Okay. Every week. Guess what? He gave me double digits this week. Like this is a bad offense and the Packers still somehow collectively make these offenses look good. So it's just, it's to the point for me where it's like every week, Joe Barry's defense does the same exact thing. They want to play the same brand of football and it never works. 
It always allows the other opponent to score points. It always allows the other opponent to get big chunk plays. There were gaping wide rushing lanes for both Warren and Harris all day long. And look, I get it. Like Kenny Clark is a little banged up. He's not playing hundred percent saps. I don't think Devontae Wyatt had that great of a game. We've said all season, like this team doesn't have great run game maulers. We know this, but there's been like zero adjustment, just absolutely zero adjustment at all. And I just don't know what you do from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. There, there's no perfect answer. I, I think part of this is, is talent, but a lot of it is scheme. There, the fact that it took the the first half really 17, was it 17 early points in this one um, by Pittsburgh um, until you really made the adjustment and added an extra safety down into the box to stop the run is mind numbing to me. You're, I, I was talking to Aaron Nagler about this earlier today, but like, it's like you are going into every game like you're about to face Joe Montana or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers in their prime. You're so scared of getting beat deep at all times that you're almost willing to be like, please take take the seven yards. Have the seven yards. We just don't want to get deep, beat deep. We're so afraid of getting beat deep. We just take the seven yards. We'll, we'll, we're fine with the seven yards. And I think what you're doing, because if you want to like be super – um, Joe Barry apologist here. The Steelers got 23 points, right? Like in the outside of the lions game. No, I know. Trust me. I know I'm not, not defending here, but there, I'm sure there's like people that are looking at the point production for green Bay and being like, man, like, I know yeah. it's annoying to watch and it's frustrating, but the point production defensively, especially outside of Detroit, not, not too shabby. Like if you, if you look at it overall in the big picture, and part of me is like, am, am I, am I just missing that overall point of like, Hey, if you really look at, I, to me, it is a half-life. You are living a half-life because of everything that you are allowing to happen outside of that, where they are having massive time of possession, where they are bleeding the clock, where they are in a way taking your soul and you are allowing them to dictate to you. And the other reason where I really believe that it's a half-life is I think, and, and even what was it, was Rasul that said it of like, hey, they just kind of keep running their stuff because they know eventually they're going to get the points out of it and things like that. The, my biggest thing here is this is the third game this year where the Packers offense went down and took the lead in the second half. And on the very next drive, the opposing offense got the ball, took it, took it right down the field and scored and took the lead right back when they needed to. When they had to have it, when they needed to like, oh, we're down now, we better put a drive together. Almost zero resistance. Yeah. And it could have even been worse because the Saints game probably lose based on the defense going allowing them to go right down the field, but they missed a 43 whatever yeah. yard field goal yeah. at the end. Like that's that's my issue with the point pointing to the points thing because it completely negates like the situational and contextual aspect mm -hmm. of the points. Because yes, holding off opposing offenses to like under 24 points or whatever it is, is great. But like, it doesn't take into account the fact that this offense is struggling a little bit and you need to do better. It doesn't take into account that you're giving up points before the half, right? You're, you're playing soft before the half and giving up three for no reason. It doesn't take into account the fact that when your offense finally takes the lead, you're giving up that lead immediately afterwards, right? It's It doesn't take account into like all the things that you just mentioned in the situation of the game. The defense is not responding in the way that they need to in the moment. So yeah, you can take a look at the scoreboard and say like, look, they only gave up 17. And it's like, yeah, but in the moment, they didn't capitalize on XYZ. They still gave up 200 something yards on the ground. They still allowed the opposing offense to have the full, like, you know, dominate the time of possession. Like all of those things matter. Yep. No, I totally agree. And the other thing too, is like, if you're going to play a bend, but don't break style of defense, there has to be a little bit of the ability to create explosive plays and dictate terms on your own. You can't just sit back and allow all of the underneath stuff 
to get to that point because the reason being is people want to know like, well, how does, why does Rashawn Gary not have more sacks? Cause there's a check down waiting every single time where like anytime anyone gets close to the quarterback is like, Oh, I just can complete that. But like they're literally leaving the flats open. Like, and just like basically saying, take it anytime you want. We don't care far more often than not. And it's like, okay, Oh, Rashawn Gary's got a pressure. All right. Check down to the side. No big deal. No harm, no foul. And it, it's taking away any ability for this defense mentioned today. They haven't won the turnover battle. He said since week two, I haven't fact checked him. I'm assuming he knows, but like they haven't won the turnover battle. It's because they're not getting turnovers. You're not getting sacks. You're not getting these big time plays. If you want to be like, Hey, we're going to keep this shell over the top, but that's because we're going to be super aggressive up front. We might bring some more players and then we'll go rally and, and tackle, but we're going to try to force their hand and really get, because if, if we feel like if we get a sack on an early down or a tackle for loss and it's second and 15, then we can play a little bit softer and we can get off the field that way. Okay, fine. But instead of getting those negative plays, those turnovers, those fumbles, whatever it might be, the sacks, any of it, it's just four yard run, four yard check down, three yard run, six yard run, eight yard run, five yard it's run, four so yard pass. painful to watch. It's and it's, it's so really hard. Painful. And meanwhile, yeah. your offense is just sitting on the sideline. Hey, maybe sometime yeah. we'll get in. You also have an off pair that with an offense that likes to go three and out a decent amount. And like, you're just, it's a recipe for disaster. Simple. If I never hear the words, Ben, don't break ever again, like it will be too soon, quite frankly. I'm still um, ready yeah. to just have a defense that gets beat deep again. I'm just, I'm ready for like, just, I'm, quite I'm not, frankly, like, I'd be fine. If this defense like occasionally gave up a big play, because that's my other thing is like in this game, make, make Kenny Pickett do it, mm-hmm. prove, prove it to me. Because he can't. Because again, if you're gonna go, we're about to go up against the Chargers, and this is not a Chargers preview show. But I've been thinking about this. Like, I would love have loved to see the Packers just like send the house against against Kenny Pickett because he doesn't have the arm. Yes, they have great skill position players, but he has not been able to connect with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, two players who are like pretty disgruntled with their quarterback right now because their offense hasn't been able to get rolling, and so make Kenny Pickett beat you with his arm. He can't same thing. Like they couldn't do it with Desmond Ritter. Who's now benched like make these young guys beat you with their arms because they can't, but instead they just sit back as if they're playing a Justin Herbert. And now you're going to go up against Justin Herbert. Who's going to be able to do anything he wants to, because he has the arm because he can beat you deep because he's also going to be able to pick apart your zone. Like nobody's business because that's the kind of quarterback he is. This defense just like, can't do anything. Well, (laughs) Oh God, it's just painful to watch. (laughs) And like, they can only beat what backup quarterbacks. Like, Yes, they held what's his face, Brett Rippin, to three points. That's awesome. It's Brett Rippin. Like, it's really hard. It's really hard. And I don't like, I'm not advocating for like a firing midseason because I think that brings absolutely like no, nothing positive to this team. But I'm really ready for a shakeup. And I'm not just talking about a shakeup like, oh, we just want a new defensive coordinator. I want like fully new scheme. Like let's switch to a 4-3. Let's switch to like someone who want who's going to use these players in like a completely, completely new way. And I mean, I think the other thing that you have to be somewhat concerned about for those that are hoping or wanting a change is when you do have one game all season where you've allowed over 25 points. And again, you start looking at the point production you're just like, it's almost to the point of like, is you're just in such no man's land with everything. Cause I think like you can see the product out on the field just isn't good enough period point blank. But like um, you hope that they see it the same way and don't be like, well, actually the defense was the least of the worries and the offense was worse and this, like other things like that. And the, the point production was fine. And like, it, you know, there's that's no way good. there's no way. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I mean, I guess they kept Dom for forever, but at least Dom won a Super Bowl. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right. We usually wrap the show with a couple of quick quick hits. Just shout out to some players who we thought we did did some good stuffs. One one player that didn't do some good stuffs, but here we are. So um who gets your game ball this week? Uh I'm gonna go Jaden Reed. I'm going to go Jaden Reed. I could easily go Jordan too, but I think Jaden, the way he played throughout the entirety of this game, obviously you got the touchdown. You got a great play where he catches the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Love throws a little bit behind him and he fights to get the first down on the play. Just little things like that, where he was very consistent. 
throughout the course of the game. I thought he was uh, in, you know, um, very intentional in everything that he did, all the routes that he ran. And I thought this was a really positive step for Jaden. Love how he finished the touchdown throw, went up, got it, secured it, and was not letting it get ripped away. And just kind of learning from some of the mistakes. Uh, loved it from Jaden, and I'll, I'll give him the game ball on this one. Cool. Um, I think Jaden's had such an like quietly awesome rookie season so far. Um, I think my game ball goes to Jordan. I just think he had his best. Yeah. I think he had his best game of the season so far. And I, he's, he's gotten a lot of vitriol from fans. And I, I think the offense as a whole has obviously struggled, but he's kept his poise and his just like, he's been himself all season throughout the struggles. And I think he had a really, really nice game and I hope he continues to build off of it. Um, Next up, we have Stock Up. So this is like a player that you feel like is really can just, you see them rising up. It's a really interesting one. Um, as a owner of a lot of Dontavian Wicks stock, I could easily go with Dontavian Wicks, and I think he continues to play well. Um, I, I'm going to go with the one I mentioned earlier, though. I'm going to go with Elton, because I didn't think it was a great start to the season for Elton. And like I said, these past three weeks, he's been on my top three graded offensive players every single week um, over these past three weeks, including this week. And he's getting back to the set it and forget it. You can just put him at left guard and you don't even have to worry about it or have concern over it. He's been better in the run game. He's been really good in pass protection. And that is such a needed thing for this offense. And it, it goes unnoticed because it's an offensive lineman. And with the rest of the offensive line having their ups and downs outside of Zach Tom, um, again, sometimes it's hard in the moment to be like, all right, who screwed up? Elton's playing really great these past few weeks. And like I said, it's so encouraging to see. Yeah. Set it and forget it. I love that. That's hilarious. Um, it. My stock up is still Luke Musgrave. Uh, I just, I think every week he starts to get a little bit better. He starts to find his feet. He's, I was trying to think of the right analogy for Luke. And I think he, the season so far has been kind of like a baby giraffe right? Cause like baby giraffes come out the womb and they're already so large, but they don't know how to run yet. And they're still, they have their tiny little feet and they're like trying to figure it out. And Luke is like a little baby giraffe out there, but he's starting to grow into full, large adult giraffe. And once he's there, I really feel like watch out, you know, like once he can like gets his body control, um, I think he has all the tools and traits and he certainly has that chemistry right now with Jordan. Um, so he's my stock up at the moment. I just went and looked at my last three weeks of grades just to see, cause I was curious. Um, Elton is by far and away number one over the past three weeks and it's not even particularly close. So awesome to see from him. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, he just got the big payday for a reason, right? Yep. Okay, this is our only negative one, but who's your stock down? I think we might probably have the same player, but <laughs> I'll let you go first on this one. I want to think about this oh. for a second. Um, <sighs> actually, I know. I mean, there, I mean, there might be some guys on the defense right now, but it's hard for me to like give anyone on defense like the spotlight because I just think as a unit they're kind of playing poorly, but. For me, it's it's JRJ. I I just feel like, unfortunately, on a bad line, if you're standing out as the particularly poor weak link, that's not the best sign. And he's been given so many opportunities too to individually like make the block, to make the tackle, to do the thing, and and he's missed it. You could go with Josiah Deguara as well. Um, that's another. That's that's my secondary option. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, there's far more options on this side of things, which is unfortunate. JRJ, the only reason I wouldn't necessarily go with stock down is because he's played poorly all season. Um, and I don't necessarily know that it's trending in any one direction more than it has been. Uh, we talked about Christian Watson before. I think you can certainly make an argument right now um, for just how things have been going for the past few weeks for him. I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, though. I'm going to go with Devontae Wyatt. Um, and I did think a few weeks ago he had a really nice game. Um he just has never been able to really follow that up with anything with any level of consistency. And I thought these past two weeks for Devonte were really, really tough. Um, I think it was actually Peter Bukowski when I put my grades up this week, actually uh, responded or quote tweeted one of the two of like, what you're basically getting is a rotational pass rusher who has not been good enough 
on rundowns, who gets moved out of his spot far too easily. And even on the obvious pass rushdowns, he's not making a big enough of a splash to kind of make up for some of the other stuff. And for a first round pick that was 24 years old out of the University of Georgia, and you had high expectations for, that's not good enough. And again, there have been some flash plays here or there. I'm still hopeful for Devontae. I'm not willing to give up on him by any stretch of the imagination. These past two weeks have been tough, and we have not seen that second year of us were hoping for. Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate because especially as a first-round pick who you took at an age where you kind of expect him to be fully developed. You know, yeah. this isn't a guy you took as like a developmental player. Or, you know, you can hope you're going to get something. You know, you, you, you took him hoping you, this is where you're at. Um, unfortunately, he may not be where he was meant to be at. Um, all right, favorite play of the game. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this one. There was a play. I don't know if it was in like the third quarter, but the, the Steelers ran the ball and the Packers tackled him. It was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. wow. They do that. Yeah. Everyone like there's like one play where they, uh, oh, they dude, that's crazy. I know we should, I, I, I'll have to go back and watch every single play to see if I can find the one play where they did it. Okay, um, cool. Okay, can you be serious now for a second? <laughs> no, no, I'll go with the Jaden Reed touchdown. Um, I'll go with the Jaden Reed touchdown. That's a great, it's a great play. Uh, yeah. Obviously, third and sixteen, you're in usually like just no win situation in those to for Jaden to get behind the defense and then love just to hit him in stride, perfect ball. Like I said, Jaden goes up and gets it. Um, that's a that's a really awesome one. Like I guess I love the the love to Wicks play as well that you talked about earlier, but I'll, I'll go Jaden Reed. Yeah, I love that ball. I it's just. I am still in the camp that Jordan loves deep ball is there. I really, really believe that it's there. We saw it in college. Like I watched that film and I know the arm is there. Like that man has a goddamn cannon for an arm. Like he can throw that thing. It's going to be there. It patience. It's there. Um, I think my favorite play is the play where love is like, just like dancing. You mentioned it earlier where he's like dancing around in the pocket um, and then kind of slings it across his body. I particularly don't appreciate all the comparisons to 12. I don't think they're fair. I think they're very different players. I think they had very different starts to their career, but I do think it's fun when you see some moments from Jordan that really remind you of early, early Rogers um, Cause there is some level of his game that reminds me of him, his ability to scramble, his ability to make plays out of the pocket and his ability to dance around his pocket presence does have a little Aaron Rodgers to him. Um, and so that, that was a fun one for sure. Especially because he's just been getting like mauled behind that line with no ability yeah. to buy time and no ability to like extend plays. Like we haven't hit, seen him even be given that opportunity to do that. So that was a fun to see. I think uh, for like the incessant need to be like, well, that's not what Rogers would have done in that situation. Or like Rogers would have done this differently or things like that. Like those, like to try to live up to one of the, whatever number you want to put him on greatest quarterbacks of all time, especially in his prime. Like that's not fair to anyone. Um, same as it wasn't necessarily fair to Aaron when he took over for Brett immediately. Yeah, I think the cool part of some of those comparisons is and same as when Aaron took over for Brett and there would be like a little thing from him sitting behind Brett for so long that you'd be like, Oh, he got that from Brett. Like you yeah. could tell that he, he, he took that and it's like, he kind of made it his own thing, but like he, you could tell he watched Brett for three or four years and then, and then kind of put that in his arsenal. And there's things with Jordan where you're like, again, not to necessarily compare and be like, well, you know, Aaron would have done this, but to be like, Oh yeah. Like that, that's eerily reminiscent to Aaron. And like, you could just tell like, yeah, he's he sat and watched Aaron for three years and picked up some things, and that's that that to me is like the cool thing to compare and see and, and highlight and be like, that's that's very Aaron. You can tell he kind of picked up on some of that. Exactly, exactly. That's perfect. That's very well said. Um, like, oh, okay, he he sat behind that the dude and he he learned a thing or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the pocket movement was probably my favorite play because I watched that. And I was like, oh, that looks familiar. Um, but I'm, I'm enjoying watching Jordan become Jordan and like learning some of Jordan's tendencies that are unique to him. 
Um, the offense, I think, has struggled at times, and you don't get to see Jordan because he's just simply trying to just move the chains. But in moments in games like this where you do get to see Jordan be himself and play in a rhythm that is his own, it's been quite fun. I'm still I'm still very much in in honeymoon phase with Jordan, meaning like it's still new and fresh and it's still like opening a present every week where I, I my my wholehearted belief is in these last eight games, you are going to see a legitimate Jordan Love incredible game. I also believe in these next eight games, you are going to see a legitimate Jordan Love complete crap in the bed game. I don't think we've got either extreme yet. And I think we're going to get one of each of them before the end of the season is out. I think a lot of what we've seen so far is going to, what you're going to see as a baseline and more often than not, but I'm really still intrigued as to what he can become. And the, still the rest of the season is about evaluating Jordan and making sure that you get that evaluation right. There are a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be littered throughout the draft next year. And yeah. Green Bay is going to have a legitimate decision to make as to what direction they want to go in. Even if they don't draft the guy, some other team might, and their quarterback might become available for trade or release, whatever it might be. There's going to have to be decisions that are made. I'm not saying it has to be um, this upcoming year, but because there's going to be availability, you're always evaluating things. And the biggest thing is that you get this evaluation with Jordan Wright and either say, Yes, he's going to be our guy long term. Yes, he's going to be our guy for one more season. Or oh, we're gonna we're gonna bake in some um, just contingency plans just in case. Or you're literally like, no, we need to go in a different direction. Yeah. And I don't think it's probably one of the extremes yet where they're all in or all out. I think it's probably one of those other ones. But this is a huge eight weeks to still try to nail down the evaluation for Jordan, and that's why I'm so excited to go out and watch him play every week and see what he can do. I totally agree. It's going to be a fun back half of the season for sure. Big time. And thank you so much for coming on. It's always, it is always a pleasure. I always say, Oh, it's only going to be 30 minutes. And then Andy and I can talk about football for a gajillion years. Um, please tell the people if they somehow, some way do not follow you, do not listen to your work <laughs> where they can do so. Uh you can follow me on Twitter or wherever at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. And of course, you can find the podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your favorite audio podcasts as well. Please go do that. Andy is the best. He has content every single day. So you will literally never get bored of Packers content if you follow Andy. Uh, you can follow us, follow myself at Perry underscore Goldstein, follow the show at PWSS Podcasts on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube. You'll get the episode early. That might be where you are listening to this right now. Packs what she said everywhere else. And go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.